Welcome to the Work Camper Show, brought to you by WorkCamper.com. This podcast helps you discover how to finance your RV travel dreams. Each one of our episodes will introduce you to people who are already living the RV lifestyle or to work camping opportunities all around the U.S. You'll also learn how to hit the road the right way and make the most of every opportunity. Now let's turn over today's show to your host, Greg Gerber. Greetings. This week I'll be interviewing someone who makes a living inspecting RVs as well as repairing them. Doing so gives him lots of flexibility. Today's episode is brought to you by Work Camper News. Since 1987, they've been helping businesses of all types find and recruit work campers who serve in a variety of positions around the country to help further the mission of great businesses. When you become an employer member at WorkCamper.com, you'll have access to resources and support to help you develop and implement your WorkCamper recruiting strategy. In today's market, it is more challenging than ever to keep a flow of applicants coming in. WorkCamper News recommends advertising your current and future WorkCamping job openings frequently throughout the year, as well as scheduling some time to regularly search the WorkCamper resume database because new WorkCampers are joining daily. Work campers like to plan many months ahead, so now is the time to take action to begin developing your work camper team. You can learn more and download a quick start guide for employers at www.workcamper.com forward slash employer. Phil Euchre, owner of Phil's RV Service, spends his winters in Texas and summers in the spectacular Black Hills of South Dakota, which is a very popular destination for RVers as well as work campers. For 28 years, Phil worked in the steel industry. Born in Minnesota, he grew up in Wyoming and later moved to Texas. After retiring three years ago, Phil and his wife moved to South Dakota, where he started an entirely new venture, inspecting and fixing RVs. In addition to working, the couple also spent several months a year traveling in their own fifth wheel and supporting their travel lifestyle by fixing RVs at campgrounds they're visiting. As a mobile RV service technician, Phil always takes care of customers wherever they may be. That's a tremendous advantage for RVers because it means they don't have to unhook everything, drive their unit to a repair center, and leave it there until a repair can be completed. Phil and his wife planned to do more RVing before he found out his job was being eliminated. After retiring, Phil spent a lot of time fixing up and modifying his own RV, as well as making repairs to RVs owned by friends and family members. That's how he realized there was a severe shortage of trained RV technicians. He figured if he was going to be spending a lot of time fixing RVs, then Phil should be able to make a living doing that. He attended classes at the National RV Training Academy, or NRVTA, in Athens, Texas, which was located about two hours from where the couple lived at the time. At first, Phil took classes to become a certified RV inspector, then he returned to NRVTA to take advanced training to learn how to fix RVs too. That gave Phil a lot of flexibility. He does more inspections during the winter when he's in Texas, but focuses more on repairing RVs when he's in South Dakota. To tell us more about his experience as a certified RV inspector and technician, please welcome Phil Euchre, owner of Phil's RV Service, to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Phil. I really appreciate the time. So tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. I guess I'm from all over. I had worked in the steel industry for 28 years and retired from that three, four years. I grew up, born in Minnesota, grew up in Wyoming, moved to Texas, have since moved to South Dakota in the Black Hills and spend time in our RV six, seven, eight weeks a year at least. 
out west mostly. And that's how it less default to deal with sometimes. What kind of RV did you select? We have a Forest River fifth wheel, like about a 31 foot unit. And why did you pick a fifth wheel? I like the way that they pull. I actually bought when it was time to, to get one. We bought the truck first because I knew my old truck wasn't going to pull anything. So I started with the truck and then we got a, uh, a trailer that we figured it could pull comfortably. And I've been real pleased with the setup. That's neat. It's a very important consideration. A lot of people just get the RV that they really like without making a lot of consideration or even doing investigations as to whether it's safe enough for their current vehicle to pull it. Yeah, they asked the, their salesman at the dealership whether or not their truck can pull it. And of course, he's going to say yes. And that's not usually the case. That's exactly right. And that can cause some real serious problems down the road if that RV ever gets away from it. So how do you support yourself? I am a mobile RV technician. And that is no matter where I am, that's the, the job that I do. I'm strictly mobile. I go to the customer and no matter where they are and take care of the issue, whether I'm in Texas or whether I'm in South Dakota or whether we're on the road. Okay. And how long have you been doing this? This is my fourth year. Yeah, it's the fourth, fourth summer after retiring from a corporate job, the very first month of 2020, we've been doing this ever since. How neat. How did you decide to get into RV inspections and RV repair? Uh, I had retired or more specifically, my company told me they were eliminating my position and that was January of 2020. And we had just bought our fifth wheel because we were planning on spending more time on the road and traveling. And as soon as I retired, all of a sudden I realized I was spending all my time fiddling with the RV and, and fixing it up and making modifications to it. I was doing the same for friends and family. And I looked into the possibility that there was a shortage of technicians. And I thought, gosh, if I'm spending all my time doing that already, I should be able to do that and make a living at it. I kind of jumped right in. And what did you do for a living before you retired or were told your position was being eliminated? I was, it was, I was in the steel industry. I worked for a series of steel service centers. We bought steel from steel mills around the country and around the world and, uh, and sold to end users. I was the quality facilitator on a corporate level. So I traveled around to our different divisions, making sure that our systems and applications were working as designed. Very good. And what kind of training did you have to take to become uh, certified or comfortable enough to open a business to do inspections and RV service? The formal training that I did was at the NRVTA in Athens, Texas, which is really just two hours from where we live in Texas. I said, and that was indispensable and still is to this day with their network of other technicians and support from that, that training facility. But I think overall, 40 years of building my own house, working on my own vehicles, things like that. It has also been indispensable in dealing with issues and with RVs, uh, whatever happens to them. It's basically a house and a vehicle all in one. So 
years and years of dealing with those things on my own is has been a lifelong training to be prepared for it. So you've always been a tinker. You sound like you might be around my age, so maybe you had some shop classes, et cetera, back in school and developed a love and an interest in doing that? Absolutely. Yeah. We we've always lived out in our country and there's always things to do and you can't always find someone to come do it for you or you don't want to. So you find ways to do it yourself and do it the right way. And that's been real helpful in, in the knowledge needed to, to fix other people's stuff. Would somebody need experience before they get this kind of training or does it certainly help you through the training? It certainly helps. I can say that there's all kinds of different avenues to, to get the knowledge to do this. And to me, without had in, in kind of over my years of experience, I don't think I would have been able to jump into it so quickly afterwards. I think there's going to need somebody who either has to have that knowledge, ability, confidence, or maybe work under their tutelage of someone else for a time. How long did you have to go through the training at the National RV Training Academy? The training was, they have a series of, of one-week modules. I took a total of four weeks, I think, over that first year and then some additional follow-up training the year after. There's still a couple of modules that I haven't taken that I think would be helpful. They now do like a, a solar Training, they do generators, and those are shoes that I haven't, that I haven't done. Okay, and so you were at the National Every Training Academy for a couple of weeks in 2020 to get the training. It sounds like to become a technician first, and then went back to learn to be an inspector. It was the other way around. The other way around. I got my certification as a NRVIA inspector, and then took additional classes to give me the knowledge needed to be a repair technician, which at this point picks up more of my daily tasks. I do more inspections in the winter when I'm in Texas and more repairs through the summer in the busy season and the tourist season here in the Black Hills. That makes sense to me. I know that a lot of people are buying RVs in the winter and the early spring. Inspections are something that is relatively new to the RV industry. I think RVIA pioneered the concept of doing the training and certifying people to do that. Why are inspections needed and why is it important for people to consider having one done? I, I tell customers and people that I'm there to avoid surprises. So I'd say it's important if you don't want to be surprised, either the buyer or the seller, about the condition or what works, what doesn't work. Nobody likes surprises in their home, in their vehicle, or in their RV. And I'm there to figure out what the RV is going to tell me about its condition and to eliminate any surprises with the, when the customers take possession of it. My wife always says, you know, what if you don't find anything wrong with it? And I said, well, everybody's customers have to be, buyers have to be. That's the best case scenario. But it's rarely the case. There's always something and that gives the customer either knowledge of what needs to be done or the power to negotiate perhaps a, a lower price and at least know what they're getting into. 
That's a good point. Now, does it matter whether the RV is new or used as to whether an inspection is beneficial? It doesn't matter at all. There's always something that even new units have wrong with them, or at least something that's a little out of the ordinary or how it works. And I've found new units, customers think they're getting one thing, heat pumps or, and I inspect them and I say, you didn't get a heat pump. And that's one surprise that they need to know beforehand. Yeah, new and used. It's like with the used units that they expect some things, normal wear and tear. With a new unit, they're expected to be perfect. And that's hardly ever the case. <laughs> that's certainly the case, yes. And now everybody's familiar with the home inspection. Many people have purchased homes in the past and they've had the inspector come in. And basically those are like cursory walkthroughs where they just look over and make sure that things are look good. But the RV inspections tend to be a little bit more detailed, aren't they? A lot more detailed. Yep. <laughs> Folks are very surprised when I tell them that I spend six to eight hours with the unit all day running absolutely everything. And they say, my home inspection was 45 minutes. And I signed off on it that quick. And I said, that's, that's not how we do an RV inspection. I become very intimate with the RV. I even tell them after the inspection, if you buy this and you have any questions of how something works, I'm your best resource because I now know more about this RV than probably even the previous buyer did. <laughs> I have thrown inside, outside, underneath, on top, everywhere. And I know how everything works or how everything is supposed to work. Why is it so important for these kinds of inspections to be that detailed? I guess because there are so many things on an RV. Like I say, it's your home, it's your vehicle, it's your backyard, it's your bedroom. And if we didn't go over absolutely everything, and I've got like a 19-page checklist that I use when I do an inspection. And every once in a while, I feel myself maybe getting rushed. Just, let's, I'll skip over this, skip over that. And I stop and I say to myself, nope, if I skip over that, that'll be the one thing that <laughs> we didn't, that does go wrong. I have to check absolutely everything in, in every little cubby hole and every possible appliance on every possible power source that it had. Again, to avoid surprises. I think that's why. It, these things are so detailed that you guys literally check every single outlet in the RV to make sure that they're working. Right. Yep. As well as all of the lights and make sure that they're coming on and all of the appliances. What other kinds of things do you look at? Yeah, all the, certainly all the major stuff with the appliances on every possible source, the water system from, from one end to the other. You'll hear most inspectors and repair people tell you that the number one enemy of, a, of an RV is water intrusion. So we're really looking at the, the roof and the side seam and penetrations up there for possible water problems. We're looking at underneath on the chassis. These places that customers don't normally look. I've, I deal with people and I say, hey, have you ever been on the roof? Oh, no. We, Never been up there. Have you ever crawled underneath there to look at your suspension and look at wire and plumbing? No. 
I can't get down on the ground like that. That's why I'm there. So we we're up top, down below. We do offer fluid samples by a third party laboratory where, especially for these older units, you never know how they've been taken care of. So we can take samples of transmission fluid, engine oil, coolants, and those are very helpful in giving us a snapshot of how it was treated over the years. Those fluid analysis are really interesting, I think. They're very much like a blood test for humans. They just send that into the laboratory and it can tell you whether there are traces of various minerals inside that fluid, which would indicate a failure of a part inside the engine. Exactly. Yeah, either a failure or a poor maintenance schedule, things like that can be red flags. It depends on how someone is planning on using a unit. If they're buying it, there's to sit in one place and live in, live up the rest of their days. That's one thing. But if they expect this thing is going to take them from one end of the country to the other and get back and all of a sudden put 20,000 miles a year on it, they need to know that the engine is worthy of that and going to be able to hold up. How long does it take to do a typical inspection? All day. I normally start at 9 a.m. in the morning. I'll finish about 3 in the afternoon, and then I will start my reports. I've got my notes in the same format that my report will come out in. I'll then do the report. I'll have it to them either later that night or by noon the next day. Sometimes it's all done in, in one day, and sometimes it's basically a day and a half before they get that final report. And then, of course, the fluid samples can take longer. Sometimes okay. I'll take fluid samples a couple of days before if I have access to units so that those results are available the same day that the report is. That's pretty impressive. How big are these reports? Are they like a couple of pages? Mine average about 100 pages. It depends on the age of the units and how many pictures that I take. There also can be videos embedded into the report. If it's something that needs to be shown that way, yeah, they're at least 100 pages long and available for viewing online. They can also be downloaded and printed if their customer wants. I like the fact that you take a lot of photos because some We've heard horror stories about people who purchased an RV that have had certain equipment in it or even specific kinds of tires. And when they were in inspected, they were on there. But when they picked up the unit at delivery, the equipment had been swapped out. So having those photos helped them a lot. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if someone were to come to me later and say, this didn't work or this wasn't fair, and I can tell them it was there when I inspected it. It worked when I inspected it. What happened after that, I don't know. But yeah, lots of pictures. How much does an inspection typically cost? I know it can vary between pop-up campers and big diesel motorhomes. Yeah, it can vary quite a bit. My inspections typically run from 695 to maybe $1,200, depending on the number of fluid samples they might have and what all some of these big class A motorhomes with generators and multiple bathrooms and things can take a little longer, but that's my ring. When you folks do an inspection and you come up with things that need attention, 
Are you allowed to fix them because you fix RVs yourself? No, our code of ethics with the NRVIA prevents me from working on a unit that I have inspected for 12 months after my inspection. That just kind of avoids a, a conflict of interest of me saying, this is broke and this is how much I'll charge you to fix it. He got a year afterwards. And much to the customer's dismay because I've built a level of trust with them and they would like to know that they have someone to come to. I just like to avoid any conflict of interest in that regard. That really quiets anybody who says that you're just saying these things to make the money off of getting the repairs done, which is what you would expect if you were taking it to a service center, right? They would say that you need this, that, and the other thing done, and you might not, but they need the work or they need to take advantage of the warranty or whatever the case might be, but you folks don't do that. Yep, I'm just there to tell them what the RV is telling me about its condition. I don't necessarily have any skin in the game of whether they get it thick or whether it's important to them. I'm just there to tell them what the facts are. One thing that I know people who've had inspections really like about them is that it does give a list of things that need attention. And so whether they're important enough to make a be a deal breaker or whether it's just nice to know that eventually we're going to have to have these things taken care of if we want to use the RV or that they will need to be addressed. What do you do for that? You never know what's important to somebody. Like I say, it depends a lot on how they plan to use it. I've had customers when I say water heater doesn't work and they say we were fixing to replace it with a tankless anyway, as soon as we got it. So that's not a big deal to them. Yeah. You never know what's important or how important some, something is to somebody or when the first time they go to use it, it may be months before they have to use an air conditioner if they bought the unit in the winter. And this way they, well, it worked six months ago or it didn't work six months ago based on what the area inspector told me. Knowledge is power in my view. The more knowledge the customer has about their unit, the better off they are. It really does help people by allowing them to make an informed decision about whether the RV is worth the money or the investment that they're going to have to make. Would you ever recommend people buy an RV? I don't. Like I say, I pretty much just tell them this is the condition of it. Sometimes you do have to tell them before you can do such and such, this needs to be repaired, especially if there's some life safety type events happening. I don't tell them, yes, they should buy it. Yes, they shouldn't buy it. I I don't even tell them what I think it's worth. I figure most of the time they've done more research than I have on what an RV costs. They know better than I do what it's worth after I tell them what works and what doesn't. Fair enough. How long does it take to schedule a repair? So if somebody were to go out shopping for an RV over the weekend and then decide that they want to buy it, how long does it take to get that inspection done? I can usually be available with about 24, 48 hours notice, depending on what my current schedule is with with other inspections or other repairs. I find most of the time that's the limiting factor is the seller. And when can they be ready? When can they have it? hooked up to water and electricity so that I can test all functions. 
So by the time the dealer or the individual has it ready to go, then I'm usually ready to go. Is there a difference between hiring a certified inspector and somebody who has just been interested in RVs for a long time and really knows about them? I wouldn't hire anybody that wasn't certified, but like in any business, you can get a varying level of competence, whether or not they're certified, but it certainly gives you the level of, of confidence to know that they have been trained. So anytime somebody asks me, especially if I can't do it or I'm not in the area, I always recommend in our BIA website and their locator to find somebody because I've actually had customers who wanted to hire me and either because of scheduling or something, hired somebody else and got a, a very inferior inspection and sent me the results and reports and asked my opinion. I was awful surprised at what they got for their money and it, it wasn't good. And I found out later that they didn't use someone who was certified with the NRVIA and they got what they paid for. Is this the type of business that you could take on the road as a full-time RVer if somebody wanted to? Oh, absolutely. I think it depends on location, certainly. Location. In the winter, I'm very close to some of the largest dealerships in the nation and in central Texas there. but. RVs are being bought and sold all over the country and more and more so people are buying from remote locations where they can't actually inspect it themselves. So really anywhere that RVs are being sold, an inspector can find business as long as he can get the word out. Is it possible for people to make a living at this full-time? It certainly is. I, I think just in any job, the more effort you put in, the more you're going to get out of it. The number of calls that I get for inspections probably wouldn't provide a full-time living for me only because I don't promote that as much. And I'm because my repair business here is also so booming and keeping me busy. So, but I always like it when an inspector comes along because there's much less brain thoughts and diagnosis going into figuring out why something doesn't work. I don't necessarily have to know. Why it doesn't work, you just said it doesn't. But yeah, you can certainly keep yourself busy doing this no matter where you are. I would imagine somebody who is doing RV service would be able to make a decent living on the road simply by putting up a sign outside of their RV in a campground that they're a certified RV technician. Yeah, there's not a campground that we go to where, and I do have signage on my truck and then a portable one that sometimes I'll just hook because I back of our RV. And, and even if we're in a campground for three, four days, I always get calls or people stopping to ask. Sometimes even weeks later after we've left, they said, we saw your sign and, and are you still available? Or we're right next door. Can you come over tomorrow? That's really all it takes. If people wanted to get in touch with you, Phil, how would they do that? My business is Phil's RV Service. I have a website, Phil's RV dot com. You can find me on, on, on Google, which is how most customers find me. Phil's RV, sir. As far as I know, I'm the only one out there and it's just me. So you look me up, you see my truck and I'm in your area. 
If not, I'm probably in the Black Hills all summer helping out tourists in this area. Do you have any advice for people who are thinking of buying an RV? First, do get an inspection. I just can't imagine anybody not doing that. Second, understand what you're getting into. Sometimes I find it hard to believe that people who aren't mechanically inclined would buy an RV simply because there's always something that's going to go wrong with it. But people own houses, people own cars, and they don't know how to fix them. So that's why there's people like me around who can help out. So just understand what they're getting into and talk to folks and do some research for Super. Thank you very much, Phil. I really appreciate your time today. This is an important topic for RVers to consider because like you've said, and any experienced RVer is going to tell you that RVs break and that there are always problems with them. So getting an RV inspected before you buy, even just to give you peace of mind that you know for sure that it's okay, it's roadworthy, it's safe, etc., is an investment that is worthwhile. Said, yeah, the, the safety aspects are very important. We talk about the different ranges of, of pricing and levels of inspection, but first and foremost, there's a certain number of things that we always check safety-wise to be sure as the customer can simply take it down the road. And if not, we let them know. Safety probably is the number one thing that they need to keep in mind when they're getting into something they don't know the history of. Thank you again for your time. I hope that you can take this on the road and do some traveling and get out there and enjoy that fifth wheel of yours. I appreciate it. And it sounds like you do some traveling yourself. So hopefully we'll see each other on the road sometime. I appreciate Phil Euchre, owner of Phil's RV Service, for coming on the show to describe how he makes a living and supports his travel lifestyle by inspecting RVs during winters in Texas and fixing RVs in the beautiful Black Hills of South Dakota in summer. When it comes to RV inspections, Phil strongly encourages people to have RVs inspected before they buy them just to avoid surprises. An inspection provides a thorough top-to-bottom evaluation of the condition of a recreation vehicle. That enables a buyer to make an informed decision regarding the true condition of the RV. An inspection also helps identify things that may need to be repaired either before taking possession of the RV or at some point down the road. The final reports are incredibly detailed, include dozens if not hundreds of photos. That allows people to get RVs inspected even if the buyer doesn't have a chance to view the RV because it's located in a different state. Phil said he uses a 30-page checklist to ensure there's nothing missed during an evaluation. The inspection looks for obvious things like whether appliances or outlets work properly, but also for things that might not be visible, such as whether there's mold or any water incursion into the RV or its compartments. Special tests can also analyze the condition of a motorhome engine and transmission as well as onboard generators. Inspections can take six to eight hours to complete the evaluation and prepare a final report. Phil charges between $695 to $1,200 for a full inspection. Buyers can sometimes use the results to negotiate better deals on the purchase price or to get things fixed before they take possession. I appreciated Phil's explanation regarding hiring a trained and certified RV inspector compared to someone who is familiar with RVs to look over your unit. Yes, you really do get what you pay for. 
Bill also noted that it is possible for people to make a good income by either working full-time or part-time. It depends upon whether they treat the venture like a business or a hobby. People who are interested in connecting with Phil or hiring him to either inspect an RV or fix one can visit www.philsrv.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Camper News. With its diamond and platinum membership tools, Work Camper News is much more than just a job listing website. When you put the tools of this professional service into action, you'll find out just how easy it can be to turn your work camping dreams into reality. The one-year memberships open the door to a one-stop shop for all things work camping. Being the original resource for work camping, you'll find the largest number of job listings, be able to connect with community work campers, and view resources compiled by experts who've been enjoying the RV lifestyle for many years. If you're serious about leading a successful and enjoyable work camping lifestyle, then a Diamond or Platinum membership is for you. You can even get started with a free 30-day trial by visiting www.workcamper.com forward slash trial. Embark on new adventures today with the support of Work Camper News behind you. That's all I have for this week's episode of The Work Camper Show. There are a few options for next week, and I'm not sure which one we're going to select. But it's hard to believe the official start of the summer camping season begins this weekend. So on behalf of all of us at WorkCamper.com, we wish you a safe and memorable summer season. Thanks for listening.